I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author Kim Fairley, and her new book is Shooting Out the Lights. Unraveling like a mystery novel, Kim Fairley's memoir of her marriage to a man 32 years older who has lost his son in a gun accident explores the taboo of wide-age gap love. Soon after 24-year-old Kim and 56-year-old Fern marry, they learn Kim is pregnant. However, their lives are turned upside down when the widow of Vern's dear friend calls in need of a favor. She wants Vern to take her 11-year-old son, Stanislaus, whose troubling behavior challenges Kim's devotion, trust, and the underpinnings of her marriage. The book serves as a reminder of the power of talking and coming to terms with massive grief, which has been a major theme during the coronavirus virus pandemic that has plunged people into psychological distress, fatigue, occupational burnout, anxiety, and depression. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to have you here. First, I think we probably should make the announcement. The book is not out yet. When? In July, right? July 27th, the book comes out? Yes. Yes. Great. Okay. So we we don't want to give away the whole story. It is a memoir. Um, I guess my first question is because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I went to your website and I'm, uh, you know, reading excerpts from the book. How did you get you, you what, 25 years old when you met your husband? Uh, he's 57 years old. What? How did that yeah. come? Yeah. So that's what we're talking <laughs> about, right? A May, December memoir. How did you guys get together? What was the attraction to a 50? Seven-year-old man. Well, yeah, so I was working in historic preservation in the small town of Hillsboro, Ohio. And he, um, I was supposed to give uh, a film to the Retail Merchants Association and the Chamber of Commerce. And he arrived at that that film. And that's kind of where he, he and I met. There were a lot of people there, so I didn't really remember him, but... Um, he likes he he <laughs> liked to say that I was a preservationist and he needed preserving, and that was the initial attraction. Um, but we met we met for lunch the next day, and at the time I just thought, what a wonderful old man! You know, it wasn't it wasn't because of the age difference. I never even thought this was something that would last forever, ex- except in you know as a friendship. So. That's what it did last. That's really how it started. Forever, not just as a, yeah, not just as a friendship, and all sorts of things changed in your life. So you did get married. You did get pregnant right away. Um, yes. And then what? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, really, I mean, before I met him, what the first thing I knew, I mean, I, I was a little nervous about meeting him because I, I, you know, I didn't know who he was. He was a lot older, and right away he wanted me to go to lunch. So I did a little research, and you know, in the in the town, and asked people what they knew about him, and they told me about this tragedy. You know, that his fourteen-year-old son on New Year's Eve had um, taken the gunpowder out of bullets, and, you know, shell casings, and. He was trying to create a loud explosion for New Year's Eve, 
he was watching a little 12-year-old boy, and he knew that they would, they would sound as blanks, you know, that, but one of them ended up being loaded. And so on New Year's Eve, uh, when his parents were out at a party, the little 12-year-old boy shot him in the head and killed him. And that was just such a tragic story. I could, I could hardly imagine having that situation in my, you know, with, for myself. Um, and it's, it, it ended up being part of the reason I wrote the book. Is it, it became a major focus within our relationship because he was trying so desperately to repair or, or you know, recover from that loss of his son. And... Um, so when this little boy came to live with us, at, he was 11 years old, um, that kind of changed everything. And in some ways, he was reliving his relationship with his son. And that's really what the whole book is about, is about that struggle to help him get through the grief. What do you think attracted you to that grief? Because I'm thinking, you know, here's a man. It wasn't just the age. He's 57 years old. Something about you, something about your background, because in reading about your background, you seem to be somebody, you know, your what great great grandfather came over on the Mayflower, that kind of thing. So you came from a pretty stable kind of background. And here's this really different kind of a, a character gentleman who's so different than you but you you wanted to be to preserve him as I guess your husband said you know he needed preserving um and you were the preservationist um where'd that come from well actually when I think of my family I don't really think of it as (laughs) that you know particularly stable um but what what happened was I mean for me anyway I grew up in a family of I was a oldest of five children and we were born in seven and a half years and um, my parents when right when I turned 12 my parents uh, started traveling on the road and they left the the five of us to fend for ourselves for a a week or two every month and that went on for my entire childhood you know from age 12 until I went off to college so um I think women are taught to be rescuers and helpers, and it was kind of something that I was primed for. I mean, I I walked into that relationship um, knowing full well that part of my job was was to to be a helper and to uh, prolong Vern's life. I mean, it, it was no secret that he was struggling with his health, and um, so that was part of the attraction. Was, was feeling I could help him and he could help me. But part of it, as I understand it, was that he wasn't willing to, to share his feelings. It was difficult for him to share feelings, and that was part of the struggle. You needed to get him to be able to talk. Um, so how did you... How, I guess the question is, like, how were you able to do that? I mean, many people find themselves in similar kinds of situations, maybe not exactly the same context, but, you know, all of these uh, tragedies where one person just can't let it all out or can't, you know, is is, yeah. is so shut down. Yeah. So, um, obviously, yeah. yeah, you were able to do that. Yes, I I think um, partly my, you know, I was a competitive swimmer as a child and, um, 
you're taught, you know, you, you learn, you learn that, you know, you could have a horrible season. Every single swim meet could just be horrible, but the work is what's important. Every single day you just put in the work and at the end of the season, there's a payoff. You, you do really well at nationals. And I think that was something that I carried into the relationship with just this determination to hang in there with them. You know, I loved him so deeply and I wanted this relationship to work. And I think sometimes when, when a child is, is lost in a marriage um, and there's, and there are two people suffering, um, it's just almost impossible to, um, you know, if one person isn't talking. So, I, I feel that in a way, because I had some distance from it, you know, I didn't know Ben, um, I, I was able to help him in a way by um, really by not helping him, by not protecting him from uh, what was happening with this boy who came to live with us. And, and that it wasn't something I, I knew intuitively. It was something I learned over time that I just had to... Um, stop rescuing and stop protecting Vern from this little boy. Yeah. Talk to us about this little boy, 11 years old. Um, that's a, that's not an easy thing to do, obviously to take in an 11 year old child and in in also in the midst of what we've been talking about and, and Vern's loss. So what was this little boy like? Well, he was interesting. I mean, I, this was in the days before um, there was a lot of information out there about ADHD or autism, and I, I still to this day don't really know what the what he had. Um, but he, and it's hard to to sort out because of his background. He grew up on an organic farm in Old Lyme, Connecticut, and he hadn't been exposed to other things that normal children had been exposed to. I mean, he had, he had never been to school. Um, he'd never had, you know, the basic things. He'd never watched television or um, experienced candy or chewing gum. He'd never been on roller skates. He'd never, um, he'd never had the, he'd never had a close friend. He'd, you know, so he, in his way, he was isolated. He, um, they didn't have, you know, they, they, I learned slowly the kind of situation they had. And, um, you know, that was part of it. Was He was struggling with the death of his father from the year before. And so he was, in, he was grieving. And I had had no real experience except with my younger siblings and taking care of children and I had never experienced a child quite like him. So that was very difficult. And we didn't, being in, in a small town in um, central Ohio, you know, on the edge of Appalachia, we didn't really have a whole lot of resources available to us to, to sort all of this out. It was just a, a day-to-day thing of, you know, kind of winging it with him. So... It, I mean, the situation that, I mean, as a young person, I mean, you're talking about being pregnant, a husband who's lost his son in a gun accident, a new kid who comes in who may be autistic uh, and no one's talking. Uh, it's how, I mean, what can we, because what can we as readers learn from the book, from your memoir? I mean, um, 
because all of us yeah, have had to. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're all struggling. But um, you, it seems to me, you were like really in the fire. Yes. Well, I, I would hope that um, readers would would learn a, a little bit about um, how I. I mean, I, I I learned a lot about grief. Um, and th- through the process and helping, helping Vern deal with grief. Um, but I also hope to dispel the belief that there's something creepy or sick about an age gap relationship. Um, I, you know, I, I think that that's part of the story too. It's just, um, you know, it, it's, there is a stigma. I, I had um, a lot of, you know, I mean, for me, uh, living in Hillsboro was actually not anything I had to deal with very much because people knew Vern and loved him, and and you know, I I didn't feel that um, judgment. But when I moved to to Ann Arbor, Michigan, it's funny because it's so it's a liberal town, right? But people just didn't know how to deal with it. As soon as I would tell them that. My husband was 32 years older. And they their jaws would drop, and they wouldn't say anything. That would yeah. be the end of the conversation. So I think that that's part of the story too. Is just I think people have a curiosity about that, or they they do make judgments about that. And this was not that kind of situation at all. That is is very typical. It's, it was a very kind of unique situation, and and that's um, so I think it's it's the story too. That, um, yeah, it's interesting you should say that try. because you're right. Ann Arbor, Michigan, you know, very uh, well-educated uh, community and professors and all those kinds of things, and yet they're the ones that were the most judgmental. Um, what were some of the things, okay, you're talking about, yes, there are some myths about May-December weddings and a 25-year-old or somebody in their 20s marrying somebody in their 50s. Uh, mm-hmm. But what were some of the realities? Because I, I, I'm thinking about some of the friends that I have who have married men who are older, 15 to 20 years older. And as they got older, there were some things that got in the way. The older husband wasn't or isn't as energetic and can't do the same kinds of things that his younger wife, which would be my friends. So there is some stuff that really yet you do have to wrestle with. Yes. Um, I think a, a lot of it, um, there were a lot of benefits to me. I mean, I felt I learned a lot from him because of his vast experience and my lack of experience. Um, you know, one of the things he, he taught me was that if you, you know, that other people can, can paint a house, you know, part, a part of it is I, I grew up doing everything as a child because I was alone so much and in charge of my younger siblings, my sister and I, uh, older, my sister who was a year younger, she and I both kind of had the job. And so we got used to doing everything ourselves. We would work on family projects, trying to lure our parents back to stay. And I got used to being able to snake out a kitchen drain or you know, paint walls and do, you know, cut in the woodwork and whatever. I could do, I, I thought I could do everything. And I, I thought I enjoyed it. So, you know, when, when 
it would come be time to do something around the house, I would think, oh, I'd love to paint that room. Why don't I just get started? I'll order the paint. I'll go and, and paint it. And Vern taught me that, yes, you know, you can paint the, the room, but other people can paint that too. And if you can afford to hire the painter, then you can do something else that you might enjoy even more than painting, like um, painting a painting, you know, doing a painting of the children or paint, a, paint whatever it is, you could, you could um, spend your time more wisely. And it was a hard thing for me to learn, but it really helped me in life just to realize that it actually provides time if you, if you hire somebody, uh, if you can, you know. So um, that was one thing that was a huge difference that I learned and that wouldn't have been possible if I'd been married to someone my age. Yeah, well, it's interesting um, because I, I'm relating to that. My mother gave me that. My mother gave me that same message. If you have a certain talent that you need to pursue and you can hire somebody, just like you're saying, um, then <laughs> then do it. And that's a big lesson. It, it sounds simple, but it's not. And then you can do the kinds of things that you're good at, that you're qualified to do. All of those kinds of things, right? Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Another thing that, that um, I learned, and I, don't, I always thought it was a part of his age, was that um, somehow along the way he had learned that it was okay not to tell everything. You know, I think he learned it was protective. He grew up in a small town. Everybody knows everything. You know, you're in people's business. So he learned how to protect himself from people who are intrusive. I grew up with a father who was extremely <laughs> intrusive. He would want to know, you know, he would interrogate me after dates. Um, he would, you know, he just had to know. Like, we'd be sitting at the dinner, dinner table, and he'd want to hear what was going on at the end of the table. He'd stop a conversation to listen to what was going on. So I, um, I kind of learned that it was okay to, 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 to talk about anything. Um, and I learned from Vern that it was okay not to answer every question someone asks me. Um, so, you know, there were, there were people, as soon as I would say I was marrying Vernon Fairley, if they knew him, they'd say, how old is he? And it used to, you know, it kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, so he, he taught me that, you know, you, you have to plan ahead and have a kind of a good comeback. And he was saying, you know, just say he's Jack Benny's age, 39, or say uh, he, has all his, he has all his hair or something like that. And then that's enough of an answer for most people. Um, it, it backfired a little bit because when I went to the, the, um, the gynecologist, who it turns out ended up being the same physician that my um, husband's former wife used, he, he knew that he was older, so he said right away, you know, how old is he? And I couldn't think of anything except he has all his hair. And, you know, <laughs> Dr. Wiseman was completely bald. So there were things like that that would happen because I'd be nervous and I'd have some, some pat answer for people. Um, but over time, I really learned that it was just okay to change the subject or to say, you know, I don't really want to answer that question. So do we want to know where you are now, or are we going to say you and your family, all of your family, or do we want to save that um, when people 
have the opportunity to re- read the book, then they'll find out. Oh, it's okay. You know, I, I have um, two children um, that were, they were two and four when Vern died. And that's part of the reason I wanted to write the story. Well, actually, that was the initial um, reason was that I wanted them, because they were so young and they didn't have a, a lot of vivid memories of their father, if, if any, I wanted to have a record of, you know, I wanted them to know their father through the story. And I was just so pleasantly surprised when my daughter read it because she really identified with her father and that made me feel so good, you know, that she, because she was only two when he died, she, she read it and said, Oh my gosh, mom, I'm just like dad. I'm just like him. And I said, yes, you are. You're, you're very much like him. So I thought that was, um, that was a cool thing. You know, one of the nicest parts about writing the book was that discovery. Yeah, her discovery and also a tribute to him. Um, yeah. Both. Yeah. And so how old did you, how old, well, they were two and four when he died, when Vern died. How old are they now? They're 35 and 37 now. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So it's, oh, it's yeah. I think they're, um, they're pretty pleased about, the, the fact that they have this record, I think that they, they're really grateful that I, that I wrote it. Well, you've waited a long time to write the memoir. Yes. Well, I started writing it um, about 12 years ago. And when I first wrote it, um, I was a part of, I've been a part of this writing group in Ann Arbor for years. And I, I would bring the, the chapters into the writing group and, and in the, story, I would flash back, back to my childhood and they said, wait a minute, you know, you, you, the, you need to write your family story first. This is the mother load. So I kind of uh, abandoned the, the, um, the Vern story and I switched over to my childhood story, which um, is a lot about swimming. And ever since then, I've been kind of switching back and forth. You know, you, you write for so many months and then you need a break from it and that's what I would do is just write until I couldn't write on a, on a topic and then I would switch over to the other book. So I've been writing both of these books for the past 12 years. It's it sounds, a while. Yeah, I was going to say 12 years, is, it sounds arduous <laughs> from my perspective. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe... <laughs> You shouldn't have hired those other people to do the other stuff. That's easier. But uh, <laughs> I, um, no, 12 years. Yeah, is that. You, you, I mean, this is not your first publication, though, right? You've written two other pieces, not very different than this, than a memoir. Yes, well, the, the swimming, I, I wrote one book that kind of got me started. It was, um, it was, well, when I went to grad school, for art, I was making these enormous collages out that had to do with my family history. I had this great grandfather who went to the Arctic in 1901, and and what I found at those art shows was that people were fascinated by the stories, and so they. I, I realized I needed to write write the stories. So when I when I finished grad school, I wrote the book Boreal Ties, and it's kind of a coffee table book, but it it does 
tell the history of the 1901 uh, Peary Relief Expedition. So I wrote that, and then I realized I need to write my family history, my family stories, you know, tell, tell the story about Fern and tell the story about my swimming. And so the, this is the, the, the book about, the, this book, Shooting Out the Lights, is my second book. And then my book about swimming will come out in 2022. We only have a few minutes left, so I guess this question I, I want to is there a, I want to ask about writing maybe. Um, is there a secret or is there some kind of, I guess, is there a secret to writing and telling your story? Um, for me, that what I've learned through writing memoir is to listen to my body. Um, you know, Bessel van der Kolk said that the body keeps score. And I think that's, very true in writing memoir. You, you, when you write something, especially a story that you keep repeating over and over again, you, there's often something, it has some hook in you. And I think what I've learned that's kind of a secret is when I write something, I listen to how my body's reacting to it as I read it aloud. And that tells me a lot about whether I'm, I'm actually getting, getting it right or not. And I had to do that a lot with this book because I wanted to respect Vern's, um, Vern and, and his history, and I wanted to get his voice right. So I think that's, that's the secret for me anyway, is to listen to how it feels in your gut or, or how it feels, you know, in your shoulders and your, you know, how, just how your body is reacting to what you've written. That to me is a is sort of a secret that a lot of people don't don't use, but it it does really help. Well, we're looking obviously looking forward to the book. So, can you give us a website and or websites to go to? So, for uh, listeners to get more information about, I, I assume you can buy the book at bookstores everywhere online. Um, but more information of not just about the book, but also about you. So, website. Yes. Yes, so my um, my website is kimfairley.com, and Fairley is F as in Frank, A-I-R-L-E-Y, and it's, a, um, so you could, you can go to my website, and you can pre-order the book through the website, or you could pre-order it at any of the local, you know, your local bookstores, or online through Amazon, or, or bookshop.org, any of those sites. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Great, and good luck with the book. Um, And we've been talking to Kim Fairley, Shooting Out the Lights. Thank you so much. Thank you, Catherine. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 